start real low. I'm going to ask, do you know we hit a round number? What? Have we have we reached a milestone? It's time to get hype in the rad zone for episode 150. Pew, 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 pew. Oh yeah, fans, hit that like, that subscribe, y'all. We got hit numbers. We're doing we're on YouTube. All right. Back to your regular uh, <laughs> I'm that was uh, that was our April Fools prank. We're yep, back. Now. Yeah. If we uh we've talked about this before, we record on Mondays. And uh, today is April Fools, Fools, and as a, a f- normal fool, I tried to say regular, and I can't say that word on this podcast in 150 episodes, and I continue to try. I shouldn't. I just shouldn't. Got to keep shooting. Yeah. Well, mm, how does that work out sometimes? I mean, sometimes you, take, sometimes you take an L. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I, that was a good basketball reference and lead in. In case you wanted to talk about March Madness, which is now in April, so it's April Madness. All right. First, let's talk about that. There's a lot of time they could have been playing games and they're not playing games. Yeah. Sure in the do. beginning of March, mostly. Sure do yeah. love delaying everything for Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And that's the part I understand. The part I don't understand is the first two weeks of March where there is no games being played. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think I think it's that all of the conference tournaments yeah. are not in the same weekend. Yeah. There's the conference tournaments too, but they should play those a little earlier maybe. I feel like the NCAA maybe has the power to tell them, "Hey, move them up." <laughs> they could do that, I feel, you know. Michael specifically I was thinking of Stanford women's basketball, which was one for a million from the three-point line. Yeah, yeah, they did not shoot the last couple of games. They did not open up well from uh, beyond the arc. I know that they lost pretty badly tonight. I did not see how well they shot from outside. Uh, Notre Dame latrounced them. Yes, yeah, Notre Dame came storming back in the second half and and beat them rather badly. It looks like they actually shot almost 50% from three. Wow. Yeah, so that was not the problem tonight. (laughs) <laughs> it's bad enough that it wasn't just a regular trouncing, it was a la trouncing. Yeah, it's it's always worse in French. Yikes. Yo. I can't claim to have followed the women's basketball tournament uh, this year. However, I can say I did actually watch some basketball this past weekend. Oh, yeah? Uh, Sparty on? Yeah. Uh, it was more of a hate watch, <laughs> to be clear. I don't really have a team in it. Uh, at all, really. Uh, if San Diego State had been in it, I guess I would have been watching for them, but they did not make it this year. Yeah, uh, San Luis Obispo does not often make it out of their conference. Yeah, uh, they were in it. They were in the round of 64 one time, I remember. That was a thing years ago. And all the people were like, oh, it's a small school in the middle of California. I'm like, mm, small? <laughs> not really small. Anyway. Uh, but I did watch Duke play against uh, Michigan State. And I will say that that was actually a really great game. And it was nice to see the correct team, which is not Duke, win. Yay. Everyone dislikes Duke uh, because they're good or because uh, they bend the rules or why? Uh, Duke is a powerhouse. You know, one of the teams that is always in the Final Four seemingly always making runs deep every year because Everyone they have dislikes NC state or yeah, North Carolina. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it's NC state. It's them. It's UConn. It's, you know, the several of teams that get very deep frequently over and over and over. So it's just like people rooting against the underdog. Not that like Michigan state is some kind of like nobody team from nowhere. Yeah. Uh, they've got a pretty good track record of their own. Right. Uh, but they were the by far the lower seed of the ones that had, were left in the round of eight. Uh, and they won, which was fun to see. So, like, now we have to pick teams to hate because there's no, like, obvious bad guys anymore. Yeah. I I knew it was too much to hope when UCI won their first game to think that they would win their second. <laughs> it, I will say that uh, I watched that first game, uh, the part of it. It was fun. Uh, that was great. Yeah. yeah, fun game. Uh, and I watched the other game, and actually it was not that bad. They did lose, but it wasn't like a blowout 
as much as I expected it to be. It waited until the second half until it got bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they lost, but they didn't lose by like 40. They lost by like 15. JJ, my memory serves me correctly that we are uh, of of the same conference when it comes to basketball. Uh, is it San? Oh, do you mean San Luis Obispo? I believe or so. San Diego State. I'm, okay. Mm, maybe, hold on. Maybe this is the San wrong Luis poly. Is a Cal, San Luis Obispo is a Cal State school, so I don't know if they play in the same. Mm, uh, well, no, yeah, we play a lot of Cal States, I, yeah. I think that's right. I think You're the are. Mustangs, right? Yep, that's yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. We're in the same conference for a lot of sports. Uh, no, Cal Poly's basketball team isn't really... 31-6 and six for UCI this past year. Sounds... I mean, they made it to the tournament. They must be good. They both share a six in a column. Uh-huh. Is ours in the win column? <laughs> it sure is. Also, uh-huh. I don't know how you played eight less games. Uh, I'm going to go with... Didn't didn't people. make the conference tournament, probably. Yeah, also, like, we didn't go to any travel tournaments because no one wanted us there. Got that it. kind of stuff. Ow. Uh, <laughs> the school has a football team. True. I can say. It's, it's, uh, yep. Mm-hmm. They don't. They're... They're fun to go see and drink at their game. <laughs> nice. I did that one time to say that I had done it. <sighs> Speaking of drinking. Before they built the nice stadium that they have Ooh. now. Figures. Yeah. Speaking of drinking. I'm there done. was a little bit of that this this past week. Yeah, I'm done. This is still the time of year where I am jealous that you guys get to do this every year and I don't. Friend. It's, it is a, a, <laughs> a test of your endurance. We're older than we think. <laughs> But what if you just went and, like, had fun? Yeah. We had a oh, great there's, time. There's no oh, okay. doubt about that part. Yeah. I still All had right. a great time when I was lying in bed texting Michael that my insides felt like they were revolting. Was the beer bad? No, no, no. Just... just oh, you had... There was... It wasn't a quality thing. It was a quantity thing. It's it's a it's an endurance thing, right? Like... Food poisoning. <laughs> quote, unquote. <laughs> it's an endurance thing. And on, when you're five, six days in, and every beer seems to be 13% alcohol, and once you get yeah. there, you got to try them all because they're not coming back. Right. I mean, absolutely. You got to try them all. You just, yeah. you just feel like maybe the French have stormed the Bastille next to your liver. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not bad, JJ, when the, the beers are 12 and 13%, and it's, you know... It's eight, nine o'clock at night. Things are cool. The sun has gone down. Mm-hmm. But the last day mm. starts at 11 and it runs all day. And if you don't want to get there in the crush at the end of the day, or if you want to be there for one of the special tappings on the last day, you have to get there early. But when it's 80 degrees outside and the beer is still 13.5% barrel-aged stout, you feel it. You know, what if in the future... Places that did these special releases made like a special release lager that was like. <laughs> I know, no, I know this sounds like a crazy idea, but what if? The, the conversation at our table on Saturday might have turned to can you imagine what a killing someone would make just by rolling around with a cooler of Bud Light and selling those? I was just going to say that. <laughs> like, you got your ice cold Coors Light here. Yeah. Or maybe they should just weight them, you know, like the the front end is all the, well, they kind of did. The 20% beers were at the front end. Yeah. Oh, God, 20%. Is that even beer? Is that wine? It was not barley wine. Uh, it's still hmm. technically beer. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, it gets into spirits at that point, right? Right. Yeah. You're, you're 40 proof. That's, that's big beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I... I definitely could have gone for some of Saturday, especially because they know Saturday is going to be like the day of everyone hanging under the tents all day, beer festival style, for there to be more in the way of new light stuff. And yeah, lagers. There was a good amount of like light soury stuff, but other than IPAs, they really didn't experiment over over a ton of stuff. Uh, They had a Kolsch one day and then it was tapped out. That could I could use some more of that. Yep, I like Kolsch's. I do too. Yeah, maybe we need some more old man beers. This uh, <laughs> this thirteen percent every day is a young man's game. 
And they do the light stuff well, too. It's not like the, it's not in their wheelhouse. No, they, just yeah. tend to, they tend to focus on the, the heavier stuff for their anniversaries. Some of that stuff that they've done for BlizzCons in the past, I think we've talked about them on here. The light stuff has been really good. Fantastic. I've I've opted for their lighter things during BlizzCon for staying power. <laughs> Is it just this reason? <laughs> we got a JJ you would appreciate. We'll have to, to show you a picture. We got um along with the things we knew we were gonna get, everyone got a D twenty where the twenty had been replaced by the bottle logic logo. That's cool. It was That's a nice really surprise. Cool, <laughs> yeah, it was a nice little touch. That's very cool. Was there a theme like board games and D&D and stuff this year? D&D was the theme. Oh, specifically D&D. Okay. Very much so. Uh, Like OG pencil-drawn dragon style. Very awesome. Yeah. When you picked up your passport, there were actually four different designs this this year, and you picked your class. Oh, fun. And it's like warrior and mage. Cleric and and wizard and and scoundrel. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, we alluded to it at the top. We record on April Fool's Day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna soapbox and then jump down into the mud with the rest of you after. Okay. Can we do reverse April Fool's Day from now on, where people play jokes throughout the year, and then you know they just tell people like, "Oh no, that was a joke on April Fool's Day." April Fool's Day has kind of become nicer in a way Uh, a lot of people aren't getting punked by bad mean jokes but it has become kind of a corporate holiday yeah like basically you wait to see what every company you're doing is doing for you like is doing for april fool's day like i got an email from broken token with their their hugest sale of the year and you have to click to open it and it's like one percent off um got him blizzard used to be famous for all of their games having announcements uh, that are like, hey, we're adding pandas. Actually, that one turns out to be true years later. But they still do the World of Warcraft fake patch notes. They do. That's true. Yes. That's true. I think I I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I think that was the only one Blizzard did this year. I have one to follow up on. Actually, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Was, well, I'm wrong. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't but, aware of another. But there used to be uh, news sites that would dedicate a whole page to the funny things that they put out, and uh, I don't know. It's just become kind of like a like it peaked maybe about ten years ago as a corporate fun time, and now has kind of drifted off into oh boy, it's April Fool's Day. Just stay off the internet because yeah, otherwise you're going to see a Kirby Roomba. You mean Square Kirby? I saw Kirby uh, Roomba. No, okay. I made the in in line with kind of what you're saying. I made the comment to a coworker today that I think it would be really funny if a site like The Onion decided to take today and report on nothing but straight factual news. See, that's what I'm saying. Reverse April Fool's Day. Yeah, I think The Onion just, has done it, that. In make the past. it super mundane too. I think okay. the, I think the Onion has literally done that in the past, where they okay. just took all the AP news headlines and just like reprinted them verbatim. <laughs> Wonderful. And you get angry people in the comments still because, of course, because of they course. don't. It's quite don't. a long time ago, though. I think maybe maybe ten years. I don't know. All right. So etern- eternity in internet speak. Yeah. I'm I'm flipping the soapbox over though because I definitely still do uh smile at some of the April Fool's Day stuff. Anything make you guys smile this year? Yeah, I had a I had a few. Most of these are are really quick. Um the one of them was the uh Corsair game launcher launcher. <laughs> so the they put out a video where uh, basically it's the, the premise is, are you tired of having a dozen different game launchers on your desktop to launch, to play all of the games in your library? Well, just download the new Corsair game launcher launcher to organize all of your game launchers for you. <laughs> that one is great because there are too many game launchers now. Oh, and I want that product actually. <laughs> I think discord does that. 
Yeah, and the the kicker to me was the the feature that um, they built in their own virtual currency, which you can use to buy other virtual currencies. <laughs> Do you have to mine it? Probably. <laughs> That's really good. Um, so that was one that that got me, and then the other one that I liked was the um, uh, Origin is starting a PC competitive building league. I'm in. Where you have to, com- I would watch. I would absolutely watch this. But I was going to say this is like directly in the interest of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is, that's, that's the reason why we like this one. You're, you basically go head to head building a, a computer against someone else, and then they throw in twists like you have to use chopsticks to install the RAM, or you have to build it in a room where the only light source is flashing LED. Oh my god! Oh my god! This I'll, I'll send you guys. I'll send you guys both of these videos because they were fantastic. But this one in particular really made me laugh. I mean, that's wonderful. See, this is why I said I can definitely get off my soapbox afterwards. That's amazing. Oh, they have like a video and everything. Ooh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm in for that later. Oh, I have one to send you, but there's some instructions that come with it. So. Blizzard does have their fake patch notes for WoW, I think. But they also came out with the Nurglish Translator. Uh, okay. So you okay. can translate any web page into Murloc. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like it. You can just see okay. how it works by... There's a link at the bottom that says translate to Nurglish on this web page. Uh <laughs> And you can just see what happens to the web page. This is great. Uh, you can keep clicking that. And the funny thing about it, if you keep clicking it, is the page just keeps getting longer and longer and longer and longer. Oh, man. They just like, re- oh, man, I love it. Their thing like replaces the characters. And so it's just going to like, because the yeah, words get longer each time. The yep. Characters and yep. then packs on to them. Mm-hmm. It's like turning uh, into Swedish. So you can copy that link address and put it into your bookmarks bar. And translate any web page that way. I feel like I remember an April Fool's joke that was like this from a long, long time ago where you could snoopify web pages. Ooh. And that did yeah. what you think it did. And it put like the Snoop Dogg uh, gif and a For bunch Rizzle of bling Rizzle? all over every website. Yeah. 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 That was that was definitely a thing. I mean, I'd be into that. I that to probably just do doesn't it work anymore because it probably used iframes or something. <laughs> So, uh, I found one today that was pretty cute. I thought, uh, have you guys ever played Rivals of Aether? No, you know what that is. I have not. It is a Smash Brothers type game, uh, platform fighter, right? That's what they call those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's a has a pretty healthy cast of characters, I suppose. Uh, indie game out there. Uh, today for their um April Fool's joke. They released a visual novel called Lovers of Aether. No. It's free <laughs> on Steam right now. Go ahead and download it. It's the characters from the game, uh, the art style drawn by uh, artists and written by the lead writer of that game. Should I really do this? I mean, I don't know if you want to. I mean, uh, one of the tag words on the features is less words than War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy. Don't spend the rest of your life reading the words in this game. <laughs> So, you know, they're having fun with it. <laughs> wow. Are you tired of fighting? Lovers of Aether, is it a game for you? This is a wholesome animal dating simulator set in the worlds of Rivals of Aether. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. my God. And, like, it's pretty legitimate. They has, like, a bunch of achievements. It's developed uh, by this guy, Dan Fornis, who's uh, also a developer for Rivals of Aether. Uh, also possibly the lead developer. I'm not clear about that. Don't send a correction. Um, <laughs> but like, it, like it, this is a very cute idea, right? It's sure. just like, hey, if people that are way into this, I'm sure love this. And it sounds like it's just like a happy, fun time. I downloaded it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? It's it's ready free. To play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> right on. What have been people been up to besides... April Fool's jokes in gaming. Uh, I had a chance to play a few games this past weekend. Uh, I got through the end of Yakuza Kiwami. I know I had talked about been playing that uh, a bit. 
So did they change much at, on you or is it, I mean, you played all the Yakuza games before this or no? No, no. Oh, okay. Um, but my understanding is this game follows the story pretty closely, but it has a bunch of added cutscenes that kind of give motivation to some of the characters that you met in Zero, which was the prequel game, which came out last in the, or most, it came out more recently <laughs> than the, this initial game did. Right. Um, and the Kiwami version is supposed to be like the extreme version or whatever. And they sort of, you know, remade the game in the, Yakuza Zero Engine and did a bunch of stuff and added all these systems and whatever. Um, but like, man, these games are really good at just making like the most Michael Bay action movie endings to everything. It's just like guys are running at each other with their fists and there's explosions in the background and like a helicopter and guys jumping out of it shooting guns that you deflect with your hands. And like, it's a lot. It's great. <laughs> add some doves in there, get some John Woo going. I know. Uh, there is like, you know, and then of course you have the showdown with the antagonist and you both have to rip off your shirts to show your huge Yakuza tattoo all over the back, you know, <laughs> so that you can fight hand to hand with your shirts off. Right. In like slacks. That's what you need. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the game is extremely silly. Um, to be fair, that's not like out of line for what these games are doing. So. You know, that's the kind of vibe you should go in for. <laughs> really dumb action movies. Uh, and the ending was wonderful. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, exactly in that vein. Wonderful. Uh, the game was... That's what matters. Exactly. Uh, and I rolled off of that game and figured that I needed... Well, I'm, I am still playing Apex, but I know you guys don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I care if you, uh, if you have, like, uh, insights on that thing, because I just... My insight is that I keep dying a lot. I should get good. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel when I play Overwatch and I don't want to tell you guys I've been playing it. I have not gotten good. Just because I don't get good. <laughs> Honestly, same. Yeah. Maybe shooters is not the thing for me. Although that Master Chief collection coming Ooh, to that, that might make me change my mind because no. i'm in the same boat as you but i re i i agree with both of you here and i really want to play that master chief collection it sounds like you're gonna have to buy the games except for one of them as dlc inside the game that's kind of how they made it sound i'm not really sure how that's gonna work pricing wise which is the thing that kind of scares me off of it a bit yeah, I hope each of the games isn't $20 or something. Yeah. Considering yeah, most of them that's definitely are... like... Wasn't that thing like $60 on Xbox? And then that was just the whole thing? You got all four games or whatever that were in it? No, yeah, but they've added games to it since then. Because if you you get what? You get Reach, Halo 1, 2, 3, 4. And ODST? ODST. I think that's or is it. it. Or is it Reach 1, 2, 3 in ODST? Oh, you think 4 is not inside? I actually have no idea. Oh. Oh, here we go. Hold on. Master Chief's story comes to PC featuring Reach, Halo 1, Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo ODST, and Halo 4. Okay, you were right. Okay, so there yep. it is. Perfect. Plus uh, 120 multiplayer maps and challenge Across maps. Five games. Yeah. Mouse keyboard like, support, 4K. Like, that all sounds great. Like, I want, I enjoyed playing Halo 1 and 2 back in the day. Uh, I would love to play them again on my PC in ridiculous resolution, because I'm sure my PC can do that now. Yeah. Um, And, like, suck at killing the flood all over again. <laughs> Just shotgun at your feet, man. Shotgun at your feet. But then you get lost in the whole area. It's like impossible <laughs> to figure out where to go and you just die over. Anyway, I'm not good at shooters. Oh, I'm going to steal some information I got from another podcast here. Apparently, the Master Chief Collection adds guides to that one level. Oh, the one level that it was the thing that made me stop playing Halo 1? Yeah. Okay. They added a bunch of arrows so you know where to go. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Yep. What a novel concept. Mm -hmm. No, I'm most excited to play it. I think the best game in all that is actually ODST. Reach was a lot of fun. I played Reach with a friend. Uh, shout out to Zach if he's out there. We stayed up way too late playing Reach. Uh, 
before work. <laughs> I say before work because it was like four in the morning when we beat that thing. And I have very fond memories of Halo 2 and Halo Same. 3. A lot of Halo 2 multiplayer that I'm very bad at. Oh, yeah. Halo 2 multiplayer lasted a long time. But I honestly believe if you're going to just go get this and so you can play through all the story, which is probably worthwhile. There's a lot of campaign stuff here. The ODST campaign is the most fun by far. All right. Well, nice. I've never played 3's campaign or ODST or Reach, so I will be excited to dig in. Nice. <laughs> it's weird that we all landed on that one so easily. It's not usual. <laughs> I know, right? Something that finally unites the whole pod. <laughs> Um, and something that we were previously all against, not against, but like doesn't land on our our lists. It would have landed on my list way back in the in the heyday. I had an Xbox and an Xbox 360 uh, of in the long, long ago. I have since removed both, and I'm now mm-hmm. obviously we we all kind of land in this camp of no more console exclusives i guess <laughs> yeah except for nintendo's because that's kind of the only way that they operate <laughs> i'm not, not entirely true. true anymore yeah it, you know who knows there's hope uh what with the nintendo games supposed getting xbox live uh achievements and stuff now coming up and nintendo licensing out link i know right yeah how about that has anybody played that other version of that the first because this is a sequel ish to you're talking about crypt of the necrodancer crypt, crypt of the necrodancer right yeah and it's i have not played it cadence of hyrule i think i have never i have not played it i okay. know that it is a roguelike game but involves timing rhythm to rhythm yeah i don't know what if i know what a rhythm combat game is is that like a patapon style thing so from videos i've seen and stuff uh basically you have to move on the beats uh and there's a little tracker at the bottom or it can be removed for like bonus difficulty or whatever uh that sort of shows you when you need to be moving uh it's like squares and grids Mm -hmm. uh, and you damage enemies by bumping into them what happens if you don't move on the beat take damage oh or, you know, in some cases it negates what you were trying to do, or there's a whole host of different settings. Huh. There have been there have been puzzles in, in other games that work that same way. Not necessarily a whole that I have played, not necessarily a whole game built on that concept, but people seem to like it, so Yeah. My understanding is it is very difficult. Oh man. No. <laughs> I wanna play it. <laughs> make it for the casuals all right all right so kiwami's done what's next uh speaking of very difficult games oh no uh-uh. uh i decided to start playing sekiro shadows die twice uh and spoiler alert i have died many more times than twice that so was you're... gonna be my first question <laughs> so you're not a shadow i unclear to me what shadows refers to in uh the context of this game uh, but you play as a shinobi who is pledged to uh, guard a young lord uh, whose name I haven't really decided on what it is. You haven't decided or you can't the figure it out? The game has given you, he re, your character refers to him very frequently as the young lord or, you know, the divine heir. I see. But it never refers to him. Like, there are people who refer to him by name, but I can't tell if they're talking about someone else or him. <laughs> okay. Uh, the game opens and it says, hey, the default language for everything in this is Japanese. Is that okay? And I'm like, wait, I want, I want it in English. Like, oh, the subtitles are in English, but the language will be Japanese. Do they have an and English then you option? can go in it. Yes, you can go, but you have to go in, dig into the menu and find it and change it manually. So what happens if you say no to the original thing? Or is it just like a, hey, we're warning you? With, I think it's a, hey, we're warning you, because the voice acting then will be Japanese with English subtitles. Okay. Which is fine, I guess. Uh, I opted to turn the English voice acting on because I was so weirded out by the idea that they're like, no, we're not going to show you this English voice acting. <laughs> like, we're trying to hide it or something. Huh. <laughs> well, now well, I want to see it. I don't know. It's 
fine. If you watch an Akira Kurosawa movie, you probably wouldn't watch it dubbed. You'd watch it subbed. Yes. So I think that's the vibe they're going for here, especially since the aesthetic of this game is very much like samurai swords and sorcery and all that kind of like uh, samurai TV drama type stuff. I would chalk it up to game direction rather than anything oh, no, nefarious. I, I, no, certainly it's not nefarious. I just thought it was <laughs> the the wording of the message that pops up the first second you turn on the game is like, hey, by the way, the default's Japanese, just so you know. <laughs> and it's it's not even like just so you know. It's like, hey, the default language is Japanese, period. It's like telling you, hey, this is how it is. It's like, oh, well, I guess you could change it if you want, if you go into the options menu or whatever. But they don't tell you that. <laughs> hmm. Um. Anyway, disregarding all of that, uh, okay. the, the game plays eh, kind of like a Souls game for people who have played the Dark Souls and those sorts of games. Hard. Uh, you know, those games are easier than this one oh, in a lot no. of ways. Oh, no. Um, you only have one weapon, which is your sword. So you don't have to worry about finding different weapons and upgrading them. Uh, at least so far as I've been able to ascertain, you only have the one. Uh, you're getting a lot of these kinds of sub-weapons that sort of attach to your, like, ninja tools. You have the throwing stars and firecrackers, and you can shoot fire out of a little flame barrel and... I'm trying to think of what other ones I have. I have a few that I don't... Oh, there's an axe. The axe looks really cool. Sort of pops out of your hand and use it to chop off shields. Um, but still, when you're attacking people, you're using the sword all the time. Uh, but really, what you're doing a lot of the time is blocking, because uh, these guys kill you really fast, and you can't... It's very difficult so far <laughs> I have to upgrade your health. Uh, How, is and there... What's not the upgrade very much. Like? Sorry. So uh, you find items when you beat these sort of mini-boss characters. Uh, you get these prayer beads, and after you obtain a certain number of them, you can upgrade your characters. Uh, it says posture and vitality. Uh, I'll talk about the posture stuff in a minute, but it didn't seem to upgrade it that much as far as I could tell, so I'm not not real sure. <laughs> Oof. Uh, I've only found one, and you need to... I've only found one upgrade it's worth, and you need four of these prayer bead items to upgrade it one time. So you've uh, only found four. <laughs> I have found four, yes. Got it, got it. Uh, and I have fought no real bosses and four mini-bosses. The game has this system where essentially you're fighting people, you know, in kind of like... The game emphasizes very much that you are not a samurai, you're a shinobi, so you use all these, you know, underhanded tactics and stuff. Oh, uh, while you're you fighting. rogue. Yes. <laughs> uh, while you're very happy to throw shuriukens and use firecrackers and stuff to scare them and then walk up behind them and stab them in the back, which is what you should do, because it is by far the easiest way to kill every single thing in this game. Uh, because if you have to engage them in a one-on-one, -on -one, like, you know, blocking and striking kind of battle, it's going to go bad for you if there's more than one single person. That's been my experience. Hmm. Uh, because your posture meter, which kind of fills up as you block attacks and as you uh, get hit and stuff like that, can fill up very quickly as soon as you're being hit from two sides, and then they just kill you immediately. Oops. Uh, once your posture meter has filled, uh, or once the enemy's posture meter has filled, because all the enemies have their own posture meters too, uh, once they're filled, basically you can uh, walk up next to them and tap the attack button and do a death blow, and they die immediately. Uh, except for a bosses, or mini-bosses, have multiple death blow icons, and you then have to do death blow them multiple times in order to kill them, right? It's very difficult. <laughs> you know, you're you're essentially just hold, you know, you're sort of standing there with your sword in the neutral position kind of like you know, you have the guy targeted so you're locked on and you kind of just circle around him and you wait for a tell, you know, a, a flash of his movement or a, you know, his leg to rear back or his arm to swing one way and then you either have to decide if you're going to try and mash the block button or dodge really quick to the side and mash the attack button. That's <laughs> kind of how it's been going for me. It's kind of like the old um, uh, spaghetti western, wait for them to reach for the gun moment. Honestly, yes, there is a lot of that. You know, you see the guy over there and you're like, okay, there's no way for me to sneak around this guy. I kind of just have to have to do this. And it becomes a a, le uh, a lesson in like, okay, I have to fight this guy and die probably a ton of times in order for me to figure out his moves. 
So it's like, okay, I know that this guy with the spear, he's going to have this big thrusting attack and I can counter it if I bought the right upgrade in the upgrade tree. Uh, but those upgrade points are not easy to come by because it involves <laughs> killing a lot of people in order to get them. Um, once you get the upgrade points, they're yours to keep. Uh, but if you die, the bar that you're using, you lose half of the currently earned bar. Right? So, like, the progress towards the next point, you lose half every time you die. Oof. Oof. So, you know, once you get that, you know, that first pip, you're like, all right, yay, I have the upgrade point. Now I can die as many times as I want. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um. And they have this resurrection system that you can sort of use to get back up after you've been killed. But there are downsides to using the resurrection, which is a story-related thing. Um, is there so a gameplay-related downside? Maybe. I can't tell. <laughs> okay. It's not uh, like I, damaging your stats or something. No, it doesn't appear to be damaging your stats. Um, <laughs> that was it, a qualified your right there. Yeah. <laughs> your stats. Uh, but it's not clear to me if that has more far-reaching effects yet because I haven't done anything with it yet. So we'll I'll find out more, I assume, because there's a bunch of stuff going on. <laughs> oh, no. How's the story uh, dragging you in? Okay, good. It, it's cool. You know, it's definitely that, like, okay, the young lord has been taken and now I have to go get him back from the people that stole him. But also, meanwhile, there's clearly been, like, a coup in this land and I've been out of commission for God knows how long because of what happens and... Um, you know, you're kind of trying to find your way around and it's a very like Eastern mythology kind of way, you know, super tall bamboo forests and Japanese looking castles and, um, you know, monkey men and weird demons from Japanese legends and stuff like that. So, uh, it's been very cool. I, I love the story, you know, is kind of basic in that way, but it's, it's enough to get you going, you know? They've already done a flashback. There's a playable flashback, which is weird in for these kind Play of what? games. Okay. They have a playable flashback. Yeah, like it the as part of one of the things that you do during this one section, you obtain an item that then your guy meditates and the meditation is he's remembering something that happened and then you play through that flashback. Alright. It's weird. <laughs> it's it's kinda cool. Right on. Yeah, so I'm I'm enjoying it so far. We'll see. I imagine it's going to take me quite a while to beat it because I, as I alluded to, I have died many, many, many times. So I think we'll that trend is likely to continue. <laughs> Michael, have you continued your three pronged attack, or are you focusing solely on iconoclasts? Um, I didn't have a ton of time to play. Um, oh, with I wonder the, why. Yeah, with all of the beer drinking merriment that was going on. Who could uh, say? But I, I did have a little more time to dump into Iconoclasts. Um, just, I think I mentioned last week that it's one of those games that is very easy to pick up and just play for a few minutes, unlike the other two, which are both open world, massively open world RPG style, which tend to require you to sink some more time into at a go. Mm-hmm. The reason I haven't started Breath of the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> you still liking it and everything? Yeah, I am. I am. It's still, uh, it is still very, uh, sort of tongue in cheek in its approach to the story. And, nice. Um, which is, which is kind of nice in that it, you know, it, it pokes fun at some of the things that, uh, tend to make up your standard Metroidvania. I have a component class update. Oh? Yeah. This is like a component class annex edition. Something we've already covered? Something, yes. An incident that was covered on this. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, I think that I mentioned that I had, in the processor episode, I had tried to obtain an older processor. Did I talk about this? I think I did. Mm, I think you did. I think you mentioned it, but we didn't go into it too much. So, on, I, I have an older socket PC that I'm currently running now that I want to use for something else later, but I want to be able to rip my graphics card out. And the chip that I'm using currently, the processing chip, um, does not do its own graphics. So, uh, that chip series has been discontinued for quite a while. So you have to kind of find a new old one, which are expensive because people know they've got you over a barrel. Or you can find a used one that's been ripped out of a computer. And the previous one that I had tried to get from Amazon was all broken on the bottom and didn't look so hot. 
Right. Yeah. This one, uh, I have now gone through a seemingly reputable seller on eBay who, it looks like to me, buys up old PCs and yanks the useful components out of them and then just warehouses a bunch of that stuff. Okay. That's so, smart. He had like more than 10 of these uh, old i53450s. <laughs> So we're going to try this for 30 bucks ish and see if popping this bad boy into this computer uh, works at some point. Do those have integrated graphics? It does, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, cool. The, I'm on an i530, uh, well, and it ends in P, and P means there's no graphics. So they can make the chip cheaper, right? Right, right yes. Um. So this one does not have a P, which means that this series of chips had integrated graphics. I don't think they make P processors anymore. Um, I was going to say, I think that's also true. Yeah. Because that's, the I haven't seen P ones in a very long time. So. At, at a certain point, just forcing people, saying your integrated graphics are good enough, you know, for a lot. Yeah. I mean, these all do, the current chips all do 4K. The one we talked about on component class all does 4K, so... Yeah, in uh, terms of just like rendering video, like CPUs are pretty good at that stuff these days. Yeah, they have a lot of they have a lot of bandwidth in them, so yeah. it'll be a fun side project to this uh, computer build because we can see how effective it is and and whether it's worthwhile for people considering building like a streaming PC or a, a not a you know like a separate PC for that or um, maybe a PC for your den or something for your kids or if you're trying to build a quick cheap machine that just does basic stuff uh, maybe you can piece something together that's maybe not brand new you know what I mean yeah I think it's a overlooked benefit of gaming in the PC space is that you know, these comp these components are expensive and putting the whole thing together is going to cost you you know quite a bit of money several hundred quite a few hundred dollars you know but those PCs can have a useful life for a very long time beyond the length of one console generation, you know, multiple console generations, depending on what you're trying to do with them. And, you know, there's a lot of games out there that don't need you to be running the latest and greatest stuff. And I'm sure integrated graphics can get you just fine in terms of performance on a lot of older stuff. I'm betting something like Iconoclasts, maybe. Oh, yeah. You could Very definitely possible. run that on a, a machine that is way powered down from what I'm, I've am i got here. You know, or maybe uh, Love of Aether. Yeah, Lovers of Aether, who knows? <laughs> um, you know, but like games that have been coming out for years and years and the go take a look at Steam and guess how many games are on there. How many of those came out, you know, before 2015? You know, or something like that. Buying components older than 2015 on the internet is probably not very easy, right? Right. So if you've had your PC longer than that, already you have access to this large series <laughs> of games from the past, you know? That's not to say anything of emulation and, you know, if you want to play games from the DOS era or old arcade games and stuff like that that aren't around anymore. Yeah. Um, Hey man, you can run Dolphin on a lot of stuff. I'm saying, so <laughs> uh, you know, it's a GameCube and Wii emulator. So yeah. you know, it's a it's a wide world out there, and that stuff can have a very long shelf life. Um, so even if you you know can't stay on the bleeding edge of playing whatever the latest and greatest stuff is, that PC is going to be useful for a very long time. Yeah. Do we want to? Uh, let's do it. Let's do a little quick component class right now. I'm just going to throw us under the bus. Okay. <laughs> CPUs. We talked about yep. them last week. We talked about how they needed cooling last week. But I kind of mentioned like, oh, yeah, you know, a lot of them are fans or they're hooked up to fans or they, you know, you blow your air out of the fan. We talked about fans a little bit and then didn't didn't really get too into anything other than cooling the CPU. But I think it's good for people to know that a case, a computer case, has airflow. Yes, and, it's very important. And that airflow is aided and in some cases even uh, it's a necessity to have 
fans yeah. in in there blowing air around. Yep. Basically uh, exhausting air, right? Yes, that's correct, right? Like the the heat is coming off of, you know, the graphics card or the CPU or, you know, whatever component is being warm at the time. Yeah, your uh, your SSDs do make some heat. Electricity generates heat by existing, right? So <laughs> Using it, you know, using the power is going to cause heat to uh, happen as a byproduct. That's just physics. So if your case uh, was a sealed box, JJ, how long would it turn your computer turn on for? Uh, who knows? Uh, but probably not very long because that fresh air is a key component in getting the heat away from the processor so that it can stay or you know, whatever component so that it can stay at a you know, relatively normal room temperature, which is all sort right. of where they want to be. All right, all right. So I'll cut some holes in my box, and I'll put one of those CPU coolers you guys talked about on that thing. Now will it be fine? Well, it'll be better, uh, but it's not likely to be great uh, because you've just drilled some holes haphazardly <laughs> in a box, and that doesn't seem like a smart way to do it. Uh, you kind of want to create a flow of air where cold air or room temperature air comes in one side and hot air goes out a different side such that it passes over the various components that you need to uh, be cooled. Mike. Yeah. How'd you do in your fluids class? Uh, I did pretty well in my fluids class, actually. I loved fluids. <laughs> Which way does heat go? Uh, I mean, heat rises, if that's what you're after. <laughs> but, uh, I think what what you're getting more into the what gets more to the heart of your question is conductive versus convective heat transfer. Hmm. I like this. <laughs> Ex- explain. So, conductive heat transfer is uh what we touched on last week with having your cooler mounted directly to your CPU. So the heat goes from the hotter component, which is the CPU, um, and transfers through the thermal paste into the metal of the cooler component, which is the cooler, uh, through the, the thermal gradient. Um, and you compare that to convective heat transfer, which basically says you have a moving fluid carrying away heat. Oh, so you were pouring water through this thing. So air counts as a fluid. Technically does. Everyone forgets this because it behaves like a fluid. Right. So we're using air convectively through the case. And to do that, we're going to need some assistance from some fans. They make fans. They attach. A lot of your cases come with them. Usually two, maybe more. Sometimes uh, there's one on the front, one on the back. Sometimes there's a couple on the front, one on the back. Usually there's one on the back. Mm -hmm. And that one's blowing air out. And then most designers will pull air from the top, or not from the top, from the front or the bottom, and blow it through so that it goes out the back and out the top. Uh, It is definitely something that is like on a per case basis, but in general, you are correct. Yeah. Fans can come in all all of two shapes and sizes. I was going to say, basically, all of them come in essentially two different diameters. Yep. Oh, nearly all of them are circular. Uh, no, uh, no, not quite. You, 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 yes, but no. <laughs> they are circular, uh, they, but they're also square. The fans are measured in the radius of the circular part of the fan. <laughs> <laughs> be more precise here, there are 70 millimeter ones and 120 millimeter. And 140 millimeter. Ah, okay. That's a slightly bigger one that case, I have not seen. Case fans have basically been upgraded to 120s stock and 140s upgraded um, because fan housings have gotten so immensely smaller, immensely smaller. Ooh. <laughs> uh, the housings of these things basically go tip to tip on these fans. They barely have housings anymore. So they can squeeze 140 millimeter fans places they couldn't before. I believe it. Uh, Michael, if I had a larger fan blade, would I move more or less air? Uh, I mean, the Occam's razor. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, you're going to move more air with a larger fan. So uh, if I move more air with a larger fan, I can run it at less speed? 
to move the same amount of air, yes. Right. Making larger fans quieter in most cases. Yes. Uh, the other important factor is dust, which can get into your case via these fans. <laughs> uh, and you would like to keep your case and your probably your room where this computer is dust-free uh, as much as is possible. And uh, that's where you want to have some sort of mesh or grating or filter or something like this, hopefully, in front of these fans. Usually built into the case, so we'll talk about that when we do some yeah. case stuff. Ball bearings that that are inside these fans can also make a sound difference. There are many websites out there dedicated to measuring the sound at certain speeds of these fans, and I think and also like people that like the opposite of they just want the most air and yep. the loudest and craziest RPM speed possible. Sure, if you have a yeah. server room that your computer <laughs> is in, or you're gonna have your noise canceling gaming headset on anyway. Okay, mm, yeah. I, I still even think in that case maybe you should consider how loud it is. <laughs> It's some of these fans can seriously sound like jets. Yep. It's kind of up to you, really. You know, a lot of people pick fans for their looks. These people have Corsair and a couple other companies have gotten insane with the amount of LEDs they can fit into these fans. Yes. Um, They are a big component of like customization and lighting and, you know, personalization in the case. A huge thing. Because they're all different colors, they can be literally any color you can imagine, almost for any company. <sighs> There's different designs with different blade shapes, etc. And we haven't talked about 3-pin versus 4-pin, though. Um, so, this kind of gets into motherboards again, a little mm-hmm. bit. But you have to power your fans. So they're going to eventually track back. They don't go to your power supply. They go to your motherboard. And um, a three-pin fan is what I will call a dumb fan. It's it's on or it's off or it's running at a speed. Yeah, right. Yeah. You can usually manage them in terms of like, hey, the fan can go faster and slower. Yep. But it's not going to be like giving you all this awesome feedback about how fast it's going and stuff. It's just going to let you know, like, right. You'll hear it going faster because it's going faster. A lot of people use dumb fans. If they're going to, uh, don't care if they only turn on and off because they go to a fan header, which is like a controller aside from the motherboard. So maybe they use the motherboard to power this fan header, but then outside the case, there's a like, you know, led panel that has controls for the fans that you can control there. You can control them, I think, through software, even if they're 3-pin. Uh, correct me. A lot of, like, BIOSes and stuff may yeah. have that stuff built in, for, depending on your motherboard. Yeah. Or you can download third a third-party fan controller. Right. 4-pin uh, fans are smart fans. They, I think they call them PWM. Pulse Width Modulation. Okay, explain that, because I never knew what it stood for. Um, so it pulse width modulation has to do with the length of the signal that you apply in terms of basically current on, current off to a device. And by changing the on and off time, you can vary the speed. I learned about it in electrical engineering, and it's done essentially for this exact reason, uh, to control fans and motors and things like this. And you can sort of think of it in terms of like a sine wave. Right, where the up part is where the fan is on and the down part is where it's not. Uh, and you just sort of make the up part bigger and smaller and you're modulating the width of that pulse. You two are getting over my head here. <laughs> we could talk about differential equations and stuff and how we come up with this. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm good. I know that this is four pins means it's a smart fan. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. It's cool because it gives you a lot more feedback, too. And um, it, a PWM fan can be directly controlled through the motherboard's BIOS without much effort. You can go in there and really monkey with it. But um, they run a lot quieter overall because they can be modulated according to heat much easier. Right. It's easier for software to hook into them and say, like, okay, when the CPU temperature reaches X, I can trigger the fan to go up 5 RPM or whatever. And they can be much more reactive, I think. 
Right. Oh, oh, the temp drop. We can drop the fans. I think this is the part where I'm supposed to tell you what I bought. Hold on. Just got flashbacks to college. All of that talking about PWM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we deal with it at work with uh, all the parts that we have that have mo- little motors in them. Oh, sure. Sorry. In the theme of this thing is going to be a display piece, I wanted some nice looking fans that had a little bit of customization, but were not nuts. Also, that would stand out from the case a little bit. But those were not my chief concerns. My chief concern was noise. And one of the quietest testing fans out there overall is the uh, Noctua NFP14S Redux 1200. <laughs> it's a mouthful. It is. NF, Noctua fan. P for whatever P is for. <laughs> The part number. <laughs> yeah, 14 for uh, 140 millimeter Redux because they redesigned it with new little teeth, it looks like, on these blades. They're smarter than me. I don't know. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Aerodynamics are very complicated and very, very difficult. Shout out to the aeronautical engineers on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, <laughs> it, it gets real. The learning curve gets real steep. <laughs> I know that aer- that aerodynamics is basis- basically the entire basis for F1 racing, and that stuff costs millions and millions and millions of dollars. So, yeah, when the easy. air is when the air is smooth, everything's really easy. But as soon as you introduce turbulence, there there are, is no governing mathematics. Well, they figured something out with these, and last number was twelve hundred, which means this fan can go up to twelve hundred RPMs. So very cool yeah and i bought one two three four i think i bought five of these i think i bought five of these it's a lot it's a lot but i wanted to fill out all the case the whole case with fans uh because more air is better right maybe well if i'm moving my theory is if i'm moving air from every fan port i can move as much air with less RPMs, and less RPMs is less noise. Okay. <laughs> what? I don't, that I don't like where this sense. is going. <laughs> I get it, but I also, I'm, there's a non-zero amount of noise based on running the motor, right? Correct. Sure, it's, it's less noise, not no noise. Um, right, yeah. It, this will be an experiential testing, I suspect. So you're yeah. going to run it, and then you're going to be like, this seems too loud, you're going to turn off turn one two fans way down and then see how it is and then maybe turn one off and then see how it is and like you know yeah it's gonna be a little bit of an experiment they were not crazy expensive i got them on sale i think they were like 15 bucks a piece once they were on sale Ah, good deal yeah not too bad you can and i did buy some accessories that they sell for these things which are pads and what do they call these mounts oh sure so that it's like softer mounted to the case so the case doesn't vibrate right so they're not screwed into the case they are soft mounted to the to the same screw holes with these like very rubber rubbery pins that should in theory reduce vibration yep Uh, and good stuff according to them they say vibration equals noise which i believe they are correct Uh, yes very cool yeah yeah fans are cool fans are cool um unintended you can spend, oh, God, I didn't even realize. <laughs> I didn't. If anybody else has fan puns, where should they send? <laughs> you, wait, it wasn't on purpose? Wow. No, I really honestly was not. I was literally thinking about how many more things we could. I did not realize before I started researching what fans I wanted. Like, I knew people had LED crazy fans, right? But then there's fans for people that are just, like, super into fans. Yeah. And, like, cooling and remounting a lot of things. So, like, a lot of people buy fans to remount other things, like radiators be, with different fans. I want to be clear. You could just buy, like, $2 fans or the fans that come with your case, and, like, 90% of the cham is probably going to be fine. Cle- yes. But it might okay. be loud. You are absolutely right. We should clarify this for most people. Um, this fan thing, not part of what you should do in building your first PC. Yeah, totally your, optional. Your PC case will come with fans. Use those. They are fine. Exactly. Yep. Okay, now that we've clarified that, send your fan puns to... Uh, that's YouTube 
we were gamers <laughs> subscribe on there uh but no our our email address is podcast at we were gamers.com we are at we were gamers on instagram and twitter and follow us on facebook at we were gamers uh we'd love to hear from you in whatever method you want to contact us fans are cool i can't believe you didn't know that that wasn't on purpose <laughs> it, came, just, it literally just came out of my mouth and then i was staring at this noctua page trying to find more uh sound information and then um michael said it and i thought oh <laughs> whoops all right i'm out of here guys good one yeah. all right take it easy later, later.